Welcome to episode 195 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian the Sauce Sharply. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hello. It is Monday night, May 15th, and tonight we are talking about the hot off the presses Doomsday Clock story by Jeff Johns and uh, Gary Frank that was just announced that it'll be coming out this November from DC Comics. It's going to be folding the Watchmen universe into the DC uh, current continuity. I think uh, we've probably got a couple things to say. The rebirth of verse Is that what we're calling it? Is that what we're calling it? I don't know. That's what The rebirth of verse Did you? I, I just made that up. <laughs> I like it. I like lot. it. I like it. Uh, before we get into the, re- re- the rebirth of verse let's talk housekeeping. A much easier word to say. Yes. Uh, McSauce.com. Also, yeah, pretty easy. Weird to look at. Easy to say. McSauce.com. Your site for the webcomics that we create. The reviews that Paul writes in this podcast. That all three of us join together every Monday night and make magic happen. Can I Can I just throw something out about the podcast? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, fans... Uh, just a reminder, if you don't mind, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps us get the word out for this podcast, helps get us some exposure. And uh, just a reminder, please, five stars. It would go a long, long way of helping this podcast. If you have any feedback that you'd like to share with us, there are multiple ways that you can get a hold of the creators of said podcast. You can go on the Facebook page. Uh, just type in McSauce, M-C-S-O-S-S. On Facebook and we will pop up you can talk to us there you can hit us up on our Instagram page you can talk to us individually on Twitter if you would like Gint underscore McSauce Paul little depressed Matt is Matt that's me and I'm the sauce so if you have good things bad things any kind of feedback we really appreciate to hear from the people that we create this podcast for so if there's something that you'd like to hear we'd like to try to oblige and make it happen for you so hit us up on those avenues and without further ado let's jump into the doomsday clock dc announced yesterday that jeff johns and gary jeff johns will be writing and gary frank will be drawing a story called doomsday clock which will follow up on DC's Rebirth special number one. Uh, DC was doing the New 52. The, the New 52 ran how many years? 2011 till last Four years? year. 2011 to 14, 15, about five years. Five years. And um, ultimately DC decided at first it was, it was great, but it wasn't really doing what they wanted it to long term. So they abandoned the new 52 concept and started reintroducing more concepts from the pre new 52, more tried and true versions of their characters, their storylines, uh, you know, reintroducing storylines that happened that the new 52 regarded null and void putting kind of putting all the traditional DC pieces back together. How they decided to do this was to have Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen play a big role. Matt, tell me what Dr. Manhattan's powers are. Uh, geez, I don't even know. I, I guess he's kind of godlike. Um, yeah, he's, he just has control over like time and space. and Right. He is basically a god, which they kind of sort of hint at at the... On the cover of Rebirth Special Number One, is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, with all the DC heroes kind of reaching out to one hand coming down from the clouds. What is, yeah, what is that painting? It's like uh, it's Michelangelo, right? The yeah. what's it called? Matt, what's it called? You're our resident uh, religious art expert. You know what I am, and. Uh, Shame on you for not knowing, and I'm, I'm not even going to tell you since you don't know. <laughs> I'm sure we could Google it real fast, but I got one hand on a beer, and I can't 
Google that fast. Guess where his other hand is, folks? It's, it's under my right. It's on his mic. <laughs> um, but so yeah, yeah Doctor Manhattan's a god. Yeah, Doctor Manhattan can rewrite time and and in, in reality. So interesting way to get back to the DC universe that most most fans love. I think uh, that's it's also a testament. Uh, sales are a testament to what DC fans love because Rebirth has been a general success. It hasn't been um, Marvel style, Marvel at their peak success, but what is? But Rebirth has really done the well. Condescension just dripping right into well, your beer. Is that healthy for you I to drink? It. It's poisoning me from the inside. Yeah, uh, I've got maybe five years left. <laughs> so much condescension. Mm. Uh, but DC Rebirth has been doing really well and uh it's all it's all based on the teaser from the rebirth special with you know dr manhattan having some hand in rewriting the timeline and getting us to where the dc universe is now um there's been a story crossing over between four total issues between batman and the flash where at the end of the rebirth special batman finds the watchman button this yellow smiley face button with the blood drop on it in the Batcave. Him and the Flash find it. They have no idea where it's from, what it means. It must be connected with this feeling that they're, they're missing out on memories. Uh, they're not able to really connect all the pieces. So in this miniseries, the button, Batman and the Flash go... They visit a couple different universes trying to put the pieces back together and they determine that there's some greater power that's that's meddling with things. I, the last issue comes out this Wednesday, so <clears throat> probably the day before this podcast gets released. So I don't know what the resolution of that story is yet, but that's where that's where they're going. In the in the last issue they go to the Flashpoint universe where they do. uh Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's dad became Batman after his wife and son were gunned down in Crime Alley. And Bruce Wayne gets to come face-to-face with a version of his father. And um, the way that time is being eroded, it somehow destroys the Flashpoint universe. But Bruce has a conversation with Thomas Wayne before they get back on the cosmic... Cosmic treadmill? Time treadmill? Cosmic treadmill. Cosmic treadmill. And head back, I guess, back to their dimension. That, that or, seems like such a weird name for it. The the cosmic treadmill. It's so sad. It's so Silver Age. Yeah, yeah it, and it's like, well, appara- it is. apparently the cosmic treadmill has only been in existence since the seventies because treadmills didn't exist until then. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's really not this like this time-spanning thing it's it's relatively new actually <laughs> well this was this was the or, do you guys really want to get into the science of the cosmic treadmill I, if you i don't think yeah, our listeners not? would There's, like anything more yeah well this was the way that this is the way that the flash could really break through dimensions mm-hmm. like there's i yeah, I, I, I don't. I guess I don't really get it now that I try to put the science together myself. Because like you, I think, mean, it well, is comic just, book science. Why can't he just run around the Earth a billion times? And I guess he can do that too. But the treadmill allowed him to reach speeds that running around the planet wouldn't allow him to. Get speeds to. that haven't been reached since the seventies. Well, that was the first time. I mean, this was like that was like NASA shit. We're like, holy shit, we sent something into space. <laughs> And it may cosmic treadmill maybe from the sixties even. Ooh. Space shit. Space shit. So but the cosmic treadmill's been a big part of the Flash. Um you know, the Flash universe all this time. And uh yeah. So he takes Batman with him, they use the cosmic treadmill, they go to a couple different dimensions trying to piece this together. And I guess this has been the this has been uh the plan for Jeff Johns, who's essentially the architect of all the good things that have come out of DC over the last <clears throat> since 2009 long time maybe since more 2009. than 2009 when did um since rebirth when did since green lantern, green lantern rebirth, rebirth start 
I think that was 09. Rebirth was for we've had the oh, same. Two. Oh, yeah, one? we've had this. Oh, it, it was at probably oh two oh, or five? three. <laughs> we probably. are. I think it was oh five. We're the worst. I'm the worst. I think it's oh two. I think it's oh two. We've had the same conversation before, and Paul always wants to jump it up earlier, but I think it was oh two oh three somewhere around there. <clears throat> so, um, but I think that Jeff Johns really got the reins of the DC, you know, like publishing vein whenever he was in charge of what was it uh not not blackest night but what was the sinestro um sin- whenever the sinestro, the war? sinestro war right that came before blackest night is yep. that right yep yeah okay because i i kind of feel like that's the point whenever people realize that he was he really was on to something and was steering an entire brand of you know part of like the dc cosmic stuff in a yeah. certain direction that's true people really latched on to yeah, so he's he's kind of been the big the big DC architect. He has a real affinity for, and I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's because he's not so far removed from our age that we like a lot of the things he's done. But he's able to grab who the characters are at their heart and move them forward from there. No gimmicks, uh, no crazy new costumes or new villains or anything. He just distills the character in that character's world down to the most important elements and moves them forward. And that's what's kept all of these characters going since their, since their inception. Uh, Green Lantern Rebirth, 2004 through 2005. So your fourth guess oh. was correct, Paul. That was close. I got there eventually. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Jeff John's done... I. Flash Rebirth was kind of a little bit of a misstep. I think it was a little too convoluted, but other than that, he's done two Batman Year One graphic novels, which have been solid. Matt, he did the Shazam story, Backup which story. which you liked, also yeah. with Gary Frank, and uh, like him and him and Gary Frank have been have have had a really good run of, of stuff. They did some of my favorite Superman stories. Partially because Gary Frank draws Superman like Christopher Reeve. I think that um, Jeff Johns has a classic vision of these characters, like a, you know, a 70s, 60s, pristine version of these characters. And Gary Frank kind of nails that um, kind of uh, iconic view of the characters. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they, they work really, really well together, so... <clears throat> Now they're tackling a property that's beloved by tons of comic fans. People love Watchmen. People that aren't even comic fans seem to like Watchmen. Do you think that people's love affair with the Watchmen has diminished in the last decade or so because of the movie, because of the spinoffs, because of the introduction into the DC universe proper, I think yes. I think I, after, I think yes too. I think after the movie, because there was so much lore around Alan Moore saying that this is an unfilmable thing, and this is you know like other people saying that this is the greatest comic book story, and you know it's so mature and so adult and all all those different things. And then whenever you actually brought that story to the masses everybody could see it and it wasn't such a mystery anymore i think that fervor has really died down and um and especially now we've moved away from some of those old late 80s and 90s tropes that that we're in a different place with comic books now yeah i don't you know i always felt like the the two most prominent comic book series ever made was the dark knight returns and watchmen and I don't think either one of them is like the best ever. I mean, I think they're both really good, but I think th- they're overrated, especially by today's standards. I don't I don't know if they've held up quite as well. But I think the oversaturation with Watchmen, when Watchmen was just a comic book, there was something a little bit I don't know, is mysterious a good word? Yeah. Like but it felt like it kind of just belonged to the comic book fans and and in a way, they've kind of exploited it by spinning it off into the like those little 
mini series for each character that just seemed like a bad idea yeah. back when that happened. Yeah, but like the the movie wasn't received well. Not oh, like it didn't do all that great and it didn't result in people going and buying more comics and staying around for all those ancillary Watchmen Returns books or whatever the fuck they were called. Yeah, it was So I still think for comic fans, Watchmen's still pretty insulated. Mm, I don't know. I, I think that the fact that the mainstream didn't hold it with as much reverence probably chipped away from a lot of the hardcore fans, um, especially whenever you take a look at, you know, you the mystery that Matt's kind of talking about, the fact that people that heard about this thing actually got to see it on screen. And it was an okay movie. And I actually really liked it for the record. Um, I liked it all the way up until the end. Um, and you go and you go and see the movie with somebody that's not a comic book fan. And you come out of the movie and they ask you, well, what did you think? And you have to say, at least I had to say, well, they changed the end and it kind of undercut the whole premise of the story. And then they ask you, what, well, what was the original ending? I was like, oh, well, all of New York got killed by a giant space monster that just fell on it. And that was the ending of the story. And when you explained it like that, the weight and the emotional value of what actually happened at the end of Watchmen it just sounds silly, but it actually was great in the book. But you have to read; it has to be in the context of reading the book mm-hmm. and that build up and the surprise where you're not dealing with a typical villain. He, where he even says, you know, what I, what I tell you, my whole plan, if it wasn't already done, you know, and, and the fact that they didn't do it that way, I think, undercuts the entire, uh, the the innovative nature of the story of Watchmen. I think those are fair critiques. Although I do think that it had such a high quality visual um, style to it that I just knew could translate to, well, Batman. (laughs) Uh, And we finally have that with Zack Snyder having directed Watchmen. Now he's directing Batman. Zack Snyder Uh, did, I mean, it was a great, almost panel for panel in some aspects rendition of the book. And even I think some of the things that I liked even more were the things that he added on in the opening scenes where he sort of built the story of the original Minutemen heroes and kind of told the history in a very quick fashion. Did you look up numbers, Matt? Because as soon as I said it didn't do all that well, you... Went to the Google. You had a sparkle in your eye. I'm going to prove this guy wrong, it said. Uh, well, <clears throat> I will say that uh, you were right. It was it was a, a flop. It cost $130 million to make, and the domestic gross was $107 million. Well, $107.5 so yeah, it was it was a pretty monumental flop considering how much money it was, but you know, it was I'm so glad they made it because this is like a very niche story. It this is a story that never was going to appeal to the masses the way that it appeals to the mass comic book buyer. You know, that's <clears throat> there's something kind of neat about being a comic book fan. It it is a little bit like an exclusive club that not everyone's going to get. You know, like, I don't care how accessible they try to make comics by, you know, trying to bring in different groups of people. Generally speaking, the masses just aren't into (laughs) sequential art. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, Matt, you may have, you may have just tapped into something that I haven't been able to verbalize in, in all these years. Oh well, I'm very interested to find out. But yeah, I think that's that's exactly it. You can make Captain America and Iron Man as fun and as uh, you know accessible on the movie screen as you want. But there's there's just a certain person that loves comics, that loves the medium 
of sequential storytelling and artwork and the way comics tell you a story it's different than a movie it's different than a tv show it's different than a podcast it's so well you know i gotta think that we're we're about ready to like break through that barrier and appeal to the masses well our podcast at well, least the, the mcsauce podcast at least but yeah there's a like there's a, a there there needs to be a, sp- a specific appreciation for what comic books have to offer that I do think your average Marvel Cinematic Universe fan isn't really going to pick up on as much as people want them to. Right. So yeah, Matt, I think you're it, I think you're very right. Thanks. Timestamp that, Ian. <laughs> okay. Matt was right this one time. <laughs> Uh, I I don't think the movie had a whole lot to do with, like I like, just being in being a comic book fan, being you know in the comic book shop talking to comic book fans. I feel I I also get the sense that not the Watchmen it, it hasn't fallen out of favor, but it's a little bit less revered at this point. I also feel the same way about the Dark Knight Returns, and I don't know if it's just because. We we've just we're, we've just had enough of it, or there's been enough sequels after it that have diminished the quality of the first. Well, can I let me chime in for a second? I don't think there's anything that that colors a person's opinion about um, entertainment the way a movie can do it. So, like, you can have the comic book, and you might have fans of it that love it, but if the internet starts telling you that such and such was a bad movie then somehow public opinion can be swayed in that regard so you know the Watchmen movie is it's okay you know to a lot of people uh i I feel like that doesn't get kind of trashed the way the batman v superman movie gets trashed which is you know heavily based on the dark knight returns in a lot of aspects so that might be what kind of caused some of the, um, you know, the, what, what did you say? Like, it's kind of fallen out of favor with certain fans. Batlash? The Batlash, I like it. That's a old school DC Comics Western character. True, but it's also like the whiplash reaction to people. Oh, I know. I, I, I get both. I'm going to pretend that you meant both of those. You meant... I know that Batlash Both definitions... Is that. That homosexual cowboy from like the sixties or whatever he did. Well, he was. Isn't that? Isn't he that wasn't right? Gay. He no? was effeminate. Oh, there okay. was a <clears throat> there was a character in Savage Dragon, however, named Backlash, mm-hmm. and he was gay. So there, there we've we go. Come full, we've come full circle. Um, Watchmen for you finheads out there. Watchmen has is sitting at a sixty-five on the. Uh, tomato meter or the thermometer? <laughs> the the thermometer? <laughs> is that really? Is, the, is it the tomato meter? Is it, <laughs> yeah, tomato meter. Yeah. So it would be the tomatometer. Tomatometer. Not yeah. the thermometer. Yeah, but yeah, I like yeah. thermometer. I do too. Thermometer? Thermometer? Yeah. yeah. So 65 um, is where the Watchmen is. I don't have. Batman v Superman right in front of me, but I can pull that up in one second here. But I can tell you right now that it's going to be worlds above, um, worlds below the Watchmen score, which is, you know, 65 is pretty high, I feel. It's a decent score. It's okay. I think it's better than a, than a D, than a, than a strong D. Watchmen was about a 28. Percent on the thermometer. Ridiculous. Who's twenty eight on the Batman thermometer? Batman v Superman. Batman v Superman. Mm. That's that's twenty seven more percentages than it should have gotten. Paul, you're a buffoon. Um, I know. Uh yeah, like you know, Watchmen wasn't bad. Uh, and like I feel like I should I should even like it more since it focused on the parts of the story which I did like, which were the main <clears throat> present day character story there was a lot of nonsense 
there was a lot of filler in that book mm -hmm. that you just didn't really need to know. Um, I get it's all part of the story and it all, you know, intertwines and it all has specific meaning. And if you're a more intelligent person than I am, it's a more riching experience to read that book. But I thought a lot of it was just a giant waste of time. I think all the Black Freighter stuff is not all that good, but I do think the excerpts from the original Night Owls history are pretty good. The stuff about Osmond yeah, Deus is like pretty they tell, solid as they well. They tell you a story. It shines some light on uh, the comedian and you know that kind of dark underbelly of what were the Golden Age heroes. But... Probably could have been done in about half the story time. Yeah, I agree. It was a little, it was a little long, but I do think that it fills in bits of the characters, and you appreciate some of them a little bit more. So one of the, I think one of the reasons we're still talking about the Watchmen today is that regardless of what the Watchmen story did as a whole in the '80s for comic book storytelling, mm -hmm. it created some really cool characters. Um, there, Alan Moore was going to use the old Charlton comic book characters. Mm -hmm. uh, the question was, what's his face, Rorschach? Blue, was Blue, Blue Beetle, Beetle was, was Night, Night Owl? Owl. Um, I forget who was. I, those are the two that just jump out to me. Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Manhattan oh, was, was um, uh, Captain Adam. Guy. Yeah, Captain Adam. So... They couldn't get the rights. They couldn't get the licenses for those characters, so they just went ahead and made analogs. I thought they did have the rights, but they, but DC just said, "Well, we don't know what we want to do with those characters. Could you make up your own stuff?" And he was like, "Well, fine. I'll just do the question with a different thing on yeah. the questions mask." Yeah. Um. So basically, so they couldn't use the actual DC characters, mm -hmm. so they created new ones. And these new ones have become, you know, just as popular as the the characters they were based on. Mm -hmm. So, as as much as I wasn't all that crazy about Watchmen as a book, I appreciate the characters and the, you know, the creativity and the, and the longevity that was put in to creating this universe. And I don't need to. What, what were the DC books called? Where they they did a bunch of one shots or minis with the Watchmen characters? Was it before Watchmen? I think oh. that's what it was called. Yeah, like I'm not all that. <clears throat> I'm not invested enough in the Watchmen characters to go search out um, stories just about those characters. But if you're gonna write a story about Doctor Manhattan versus Superman, I'm in. I'm all in. If we're gonna see some Batman Rorschach team up slash fight like i think those are really cool characters they're they're really dark mirrors of the bigger the bigger dc heroes which they weren't even based on and i think that's what that's what it sounds like jeff johns and gary frank are, are doing with us they were kind of inspired by the election results last november which is sort of weird to me like i i don't know it seems weird for because it seemed like a whole different thing that they were going for, and I would have never taken that out of this restructuring or rebranding of the uh, DC Universe unless I read that in the article that that was something that they were mixing into this story. So, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see what angle they're taking, but it seems strange. Well, yeah, yeah, it, it it seems odd, but Jeff John said in, in the article it's not it's not a story about it's not a story about Trump getting elected or you know some response to that. He said that's low hanging fruit. It's more about how the world seems more divided at this point. Mm -hmm. um, no one's there's no real gray area. It's either you either have to be on one side or or the other. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that's going to relate to the what what I would expect the Watchmen characters being on one side and the DC characters being on the other because the Watchmen is such a dark take on the universe and it's grim and gritty and nobody's happy and in the end nobody nobody wins 
And the DC characters are all about hope and optimism and how we can pull through and make everything mm-hmm. better. Yeah, uh, it will be sort of interesting. So, like, I I assume that's what Jeff Johns is talking about when he's talking about, you know, how divided the world is at this yeah. point. What's been great about Jeff Johns all these years is he's just like, I like, all the stories he's told have been, I just want to tell fun comic book stories. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little apprehensive in getting into a story where he's coming out and saying, well, this isn't just, you know, Superman and Dr. Manhattan punching one out. Mm-hmm. This is an allegory for what's happening and happening in the world today. This story doesn't really lend like this writer. It's not his wheelhouse. The story does not lend itself to that sort of, you know, retelling of it or, or view viewing the, Rebirth universe through the lens of politics seems off, off-putting to me. As much as I enjoy politics, I assume it's, it's going to be it's going to be real obscure. It's going to be real from the outside look, and it's not yeah. about politics. It's about society. Yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. you know I, the current zeitgeist. Yeah, which is it's it seems like it'll fit, but like Jeff Johns is just so good at traditional superheroes from you know breaking away from from breaking away from getting caught up in his own political and societal ideas and injecting those into his comics and really just telling a Hal Jordan story from Hal Jordan's perspective mm-hmm. not putting his own ideas into what these characters are thinking. Yeah. And so like as much as I as much as I love Jeff Jones, if I had to pick one one all time favorite comics creator for myself, it would be Jeff Johns. I'm a little worried that he's like I, I appreciate stretching your creativity, trying some different things, trying some scary things. But this is this doesn't sound like what I like Jeff Johns for. Yeah, it's also tough as a creator to not to not be influenced by the things that are happening all around you. It's I think it just is still s- sort of surprising that he came out and referenced the things that he's going to try to mix in or have influenced him in writing this story. Uh, we we all read a, an interview on Blaster, um, and it was pretty candid, where mm-hmm. he came out and said that it's there's not there aren't going to be ancillary titles. Uh, there, there aren't going to be filler titles. There's not going to be any watered down version of DC Clock, which is the name of the the name of the story. No, it's called Doomsday Clock. Dooms- oh, sorry, Doomsday Clock. I was thinking because it's the same. It's DC initials. Um, but he says DD, right? Doomsday Clock, DC Doomsday Clock. Oh. And he also said that you're not gonna. It's you're not gonna Spin see Spin Master over here. <laughs> It's like DC Comics, like Detective Comics comics. I know. It's I know not, what I know what you were saying. Continue. He also said that you're not going to see like the big fight happen in action comics. Like everything's going to yeah. happen in Doomsday Clock. You so know that, that, that story. And it was it, it wasn't really I I'm sure every everyone that is involved in comics and follows comics understands that it wasn't a backhand compliment to all of the other big events that have had all these ancillary stories happen in other books, but it was kind of nice to see a major comic book writer come out and say, yeah, this isn't, this isn't what's happening. He, he said what we've all said on this show that we want creators to come out and say, and just be straight and be like, yeah, you're not going to get, watered down versions and all this other shit that you're getting the straight dope. Yeah, you can follow the story by just collecting these, you know, four, six, seven, eight issues and you won't have to get anything else and you won't be missing anything else. Part of me really liked the button, the recent crossover we talked about at the beginning of the pod. All it's a it was a traditional crossover. It just went from Batman to the Flash, four issues and out. Very nice and tight thing i got the whole story because i only had to follow two books for two months yeah so two weeks 
Yeah, yeah, because it's uh, one month. Yeah. yeah, one month. I mean that that was nice and tight, and who knows? But like, I wasn't collecting the Flash before, but maybe I will. Maybe I'll jump on just because they were able to uphold a promise to me as a reader that they were only going to keep this story contained within this small amount of books. Yeah, the button the button was cool, and you know it certainly beats. Buying something like Blackest Night, which Jeff Johns wrote the main title for, but Blackest Night spilled into so many other titles. I think there were 61 books. The main story was seven? Yeah. Seven issues? But there were 61, maybe it was 12, but there were 61 total books that had the black, the Blackest Night banner on yeah. it. And that was in like, that was 2000... Rebirth was 05, so that may have been in 2008, 09. Yeah, you're probably right, because I think Sinestro, uh, Core War. And like there's, and I was a different comic book collector then. I would, there's no way, no way I'm buying all that bullshit now. It, part, it was you know, partially because it was all Green Lantern related that, that I got all that stuff, but there's no way I'd fucking do that now. So the promise that, and you know, I don't know where I read this at. I swear it was in that article, but I read it three times and I can't find it again. Um, Jeff John said that Doomsday Clock will be more than six, less than 12. Yeah, that's... No ancillary books? I'm in. Yeah, I think I'm in with it too. Uh, I'm interested to see what they do with this story. I have been interested... Since the Rebirth number one uh, special, I, I'm interested how they're going to tie these two pretty drastically different worlds together. DC Comics has, for years, sort of uh, not wanted to mash these two properties together or has, has been hesitant to do so. So it's going to be interesting to see these two worlds collide and see how permanent it could possibly be. Uh, you've been awfully quiet over there. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to say that. So, uh, what do you want me to say? Do you have any thoughts about this? Do you have any opinions? I do. Do you want this to go in a certain direction? Or are you afraid it's going to go in a different okay, direction? Okay, so, this, okay, the do cynic in me... Do DC Comics anymore? The cynic in me thinks this is a bit of a fool's errand. It mm-hmm. It kind of seems wildly unnecessary and it seems like DC is doing what they've done for years and years and years, which is continually try to justify weird ass comic book continuity. And I don't know like how many times weird things need to happen in comic books for DC to realize you can't, you cannot justify it. Can't, you can't write stories about it as if it's going to make sense. It's just never going to make sense. It's just write good comic book stories. Um, I, I don't, you know, how many crises on how many infinite earths and how many new 52s infinite. and I had right. It's infinite. Um, how many, uh, you know, rebirths do we need until we realize we don't need to explain it. And we certainly don't need to do it in a way that, brings a beloved property like the Watchmen into the DC universe, which to me probably never should have crossed over. I don't particularly like it. Mm -hmm. I'm totally fine with it being separate. It's, it's maybe not quite this sacrilegious, but like kind of along the lines of, Oh, look at that. Star Wars is going to cross over with the Marvel superheroes. Like it just, it just feels like kind of wrong. Uh, especially for something that isn't like a what if or a Elseworlds kind of thing. Like this is actually shaping the DC universe. I really have a hard time getting behind that concept. I don't mind Dr. Manhattan being involved, but I, I think I'm hesitant if the greater Watchmen universe is mixed, which is signaled in this article that that's what they're going to do. I, I, do sort of like Dr. Manhattan being the being that shaped some of the weird things that happened in the new 52 and like putting things back. But I kind of would like to see him just sort of featured a little bit and then maybe put that to rest. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And, and so that, what I just said, that was kind of like, 
me being the pessimist that yeah. I am. However, there is a spark of optimism still within my soul. And the thing that excites me about it is just simply put Dr. Manhattan versus Superman. Mm-hmm. To me, that was what I took away from all the all the crap that Jeff Johns was blathering about in that interview. <laughs> and boy, did he do a lot of it. I and think that you need to explain this. I mean, uh, is it uh, lathering that he Yes, it was. That's exactly what it was. It's, it's, it was a lot of self-indulgent pats on the back, one after another. No, I don't it think was, it was. I don't I can think it cite, was pats on the back. It was. Come on, man. No, it, it didn't come off as pats on the back. It was... Reread it. Matt, I read it three times trying to find how long this thing is. <laughs> I read it. It wasn't... It wasn't pats on the back. It just sounded it sounded so odd because he's not that writer. If well, Brian Bendis or Mark Wade came out and were talking about how, you know, this is a statement about society, would be like blah blah blah, what's whatever. Yeah, we get it. Because that's what they do. But Jeff Jones doesn't do this. So it's it's a step out of his comfort zone. So I feel like he's maybe you know, trying to pad some things with fans saying, hey, this may not, like, in an optim- optimistic way saying, this may not be what you expect from me and Gary Frank. And then in the same breath he says, but we've earned the right to do this. And it's like, well, I mean, in your opinion, you have. I- I'm not sure that I agree with that. I mean. Well, yeah, but like, I don't know. I guess, I guess it, it, does just depend on, on on how you read it, but I took that line as as also like you know kind of saying we've been around, we've been here, like we can we can write a story, we can write a story for ourselves. We've done enough stuff that we can write a story for us, and it's kind of him reinforcing the idea in himself that he can do this. Because he is such, he has been such a selfless comic writer, and like I, I don't think it's it's him boasting like we've done so many books. Now we're doing this, because Jeff John, Jeff John's is such, he's such a humble guy. I always thought he was too. He did not come off as humble in that in that interview, in my opinion. Uh, another takeaway from this was that. To me, this almost feels a bit like the sequel to The Watchmen. You know, it we got the prequel stuff, but this is the first time we're actually featuring like, well, what happens next with these characters? And it, I get the sense that it's just Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. It, am, am I incorrect in thinking that you know Night Night Owl isn't going to make an appearance? Um. Wait. What? Repeat what you just said. I don't I, think I, I feel like this saying. is just strictly Doctor Manhattan from The Watchmen that's going to be featured. I, I don't. I don't see how the rest of The Watchmen really fit into this. Like, it might be some like cross dimensional kind of thing. I think that Doctor Manhattan is the only one that needs to be featured right. in this. But if they're doing this, I, if they're doing this story, they're going to include some of the other iconic right. heroes. Yeah, th- this story seems wildly unnecessary to me and especially the fact that it's going to basically dictate like you know real continuity uh i'm sort of interested at what point in the watchman's timeline this is going to take place because a lot of those dudes don't make it out very well yeah i would think i would think the comedian's dead from the very beginning of the watchman story right well i don't expect him to be in this i don't expect Well, frankly, I don't expect any of these characters to be in it. And like you said, they don't need to be. But the fanboy in me is excited to see how would Superman deal with Dr. Manhattan? How would he deal with a god? And I also liked the the way that uh, Jeff, the the ego Johns framed framed the, the situation where you had an alien mm-hmm. that basically had more humanity than most people basically having to go up against a, a human that has lost his humanity. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's actually pretty intriguing. And and 
I also like the fact that for something so big for DC, they're letting Superman be the guy. They're not, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to be about Batman or the Flash or even the Justice League. This is Superman's issue that he's going to deal with. You know, Superman's logo is the thing that's featured in in the the well, the logo and it's his shield, his crest is what's featured in the logo. And that's pretty cool to me. You know, I feel like we've gotten so many um, big crossovers over the years from DC Comics, like Flashpoint and and Blackest Night and whatever else Jeff Johns wanted to write. But we haven't really gotten the Superman story. But one other point that I wanted to make, you guys were talking about, it's pretty cool, this is self-contained, no ancillary mm-hmm. books. You know, this this reminds me a little bit of a, a little three part series called Superman Doomsday Hunter Prey. Remember that, Ian? No, I don't. It was the 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 much anticipated rematch, the follow up to the death of Superman. I did not get that. And th- those were self contained books. They didn't, you know, because like the death of Superman happened in a lot of Superman titles. Mm-hmm. What year was that released? Ninety four, I believe. Uh, what? 94. And I feel like that doesn't automatically give it a pass just because like you're not going to pollute your story with 61 other ancillary titles. And like sometimes these little self-contained things can be duds. True. But there's one other part that there's one other thing that you're you may not be looking very hard at is that Jeff Johns, while has, is he's famous for writing the flash and green lantern, Jeff Johns is my favorite Superman writer. He's a great writer of Superman as a hero. He, he had um, an excellent run on action comics. He's done a lot of great things with that character and he really gets him. He gets to the core of what makes Superman so beloved. So if there's anybody that is going to take this on and push Superman to the forefront and make him an important, an important part of this story. Mm-hmm. Like despite his, his massive ego that's oozing out of this article, Jeff Johns is going to do right by Superman. I, yeah, I, I agree that uh, he's going to write the character properly. I just question the entire premise that, seems incredibly unnecessary. It simply comes down to they're continuing to try to justify a way to distance themselves from the new 52 by continuing to address it. It's like, just let it go, man. Like seriously, I'll be okay. If we can just let the new 52 go, that was a time in DC history that, you know, existed. It was kind of fun at first, then it got crappy. Just let it go. I didn't get the sense that this has anything to do with the new 52. It has everything to do with the new 52. That's how Rebirth started with with uh, Dr. Manhattan, essentially. Okay. I don't think this has anything to do with distancing, distancing themselves from the new 52. I think all the Rebirth books have done that just fine right now, and the new 52 is in the rearview mirror. Well, right, but the the... the kickoff to distancing from the new 52 was showing that it was basically Dr. Manhattan that was behind it. And he's still a presence out there. And this all stems from essentially ending the new 52, starting rebirth. It's like, Oh my God. Like why do we constantly have to justify weird ass comic book continuity? But I think that this, if this was the choice that they made to introduce Dr. Manhattan at the end of that special, they do have to eventually they owe it to the comic book fans to tell that story. So yeah, I'm this, excited this for This doesn't it. sound to me like we're still justifying the new 52 ending. This sounds like now they're at a point where they're like, hey, we have a cool story to tell with Dr. Manhattan and Superman. That's, that's I, the only impetus behind this. I completely disagree. I don't know if it's justifying. It is touching back in... Referencing. It's addressing it. It's, it's a, it, They left it 100% unaddressed when they started Rebirth. It's yeah, been it's a year, a, and now an they have. It's it's time to whether they did it right in that issue or now. The point is, like they they opened the door and they never gave you any kind of 
I won't, I don't even want to say closure cause they didn't even like really get into it, but it's going to happen. And it's all, it all stems from that separate universe that is the new 52. That's all. It, it does. I do. So, I do want to see them fight each other. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it'll be fun. See, I kind of don't want to see them fight each other. Just can't Doctor Manhattan just turn them into like molecules? Yeah, like I'm. Can he essentially atomize Superman? Yeah, the the whole the argument that you know I always fight very hard for Batman against Superman. It's the same thing, only flip flop. Superman's going to beat him with determination and. Heart, yeah, yeah, and the Rocky ability style. to not get atomized by a yeah, god, like, but Doctor Manhattan can just blink him out of existence, right? Clearly, right. Um, I'm excited to to see maybe by uh, this some point, verbal sparring. Maybe by this point we get a really old Doctor Manhattan who kind of doesn't have his shit together anymore. He's his powers aren't. He's kind of crazy. And he's now. like crazy yeah, Doctor Manhattan. He's a little crazy. He's on the way out, and like Do gods this get is, old. I don't know. Kurt Russell was, you know, on the older side. He was gorgeous. Had a hair on that yeah, guy. Yeah, but though. he was. Yeah, I mean, his his that that was like his physical body that he created purposefully to age. Right. This isn't oh. the Guardians Volume no? Two podcast, yeah. but I really liked the way they made him. They made his skin kind of gray. The further they went along in the fight oh uh, when he like regenerated himself and all or yeah like yeah. he just looked he looked sick there just wasn't a lot of a lot of color in him and i thought that was a really nice little touch paul you're right this is not the guardians of the galaxy volume two podcast volume However, two volume two <laughs> right two point two so i i did want to point out that it was quite refreshing to see tango and cash reunited in this movie. How did we which, miss that joke? Which somehow I missed it, but but I thought of it after because, the podcast. Because they shared no screen time. Uh, I see. Uh, I would have enjoyed the, that little nod to, <laughs> nod to 80s nostalgia. I haven't read anything anywhere where like that was acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Like, may, Have they done any movies together outside of Tango and no Cash? Idea. Great yeah. chemistry. Great, great chemistry. They're, Ian. they're, they're great actors. So actors what of do you our expect? generation. Matt, are, are, are you going to get Doomsday? Yeah, Club? I am. Uh, I, I'm going to, well, I'll try it, but I can't promise that I'm going to be in for the long haul. Um, you know, Gary Frank is a super good artist, although he's definitely not my favorite Superman artist, and I actually don't like that he makes him look just like Christopher Reeve. Um, but he's. You like, you prefer. Dan Jurgen Superman looking like comic book Superman. I, yeah, I, I do. I feel like that's so freaking classic. Um, just that to me, that's, you know, that was kind of like my Superman when I first started reading the character. So um, the John Burns Superman is John Burns really good Superman. Just that that look and Dan Jurgens keeps the same look. And even yep. now, um, you know, Patrick Gleason still. Yeah, they're basically back to that. Yeah, Paul, I'm going to get it. Uh, I, I don't know what to expect. Um, I'll try to have an open mind. I'm looking forward to seeing Superman deal with this character because it's a bit unlike really anything that he's had to deal with. And, you know, let's face it, Superman hasn't had a history with like the greatest rogues gallery ever. So um, this could be a, a really cool test for him. Do you... Do you expect Doctor Manhattan to be the bad guy? I do, absolutely. Like just straight up bad guy. Uh, you know, it's bad like bad adversary. like how ego was bad. Yeah, I like don't even misguided. Think I don't even think it's going to be as bad as ego. I think that Doctor Manhattan's going to have reasons why he took away certain memories or changed different things about the DC universe that aren't as just like I don't know. As, Ego came off as a villain. I don't think Dr. Manhattan's going to do that. That's kind of the crux of the Watchmen characters is that they operate in the gray area. So yeah. I think that that's probably where they're going to go with Dr. Manhattan's. Well, that, and, and also, I, I everyone seems so reverential of the Watchmen characters that they're not going to make Dr. Manhattan the bad guy. I don't but know. But at this point, like, 
Alan Moore has distanced himself so much from this bullshit. Like, if you want to do whatever you want with these characters, do it. If you have a good story to tell, and it involves Dr. Manhattan being a straight-up villain, do it. Because Alan Moore doesn't give a fuck. Like, we don't need to bow down at the altar of him and this story anymore. Yeah, I don't care about his feelings on the matter. Look. We don't need to honor I just don't think that that goes along with that character. So I don't think that's the path they're going to choose. With Jeff Johns basically saying, you know, talking about, um, you know, the purity of some of these DC characters and, and believing that, you know, their, their ideals and values are just as quote real as those, um, gray area, uh, Watchmen characters, I feel like in order to really emphasize it, in order to really kind of like prove their their worth and value, you know, like Superman's ideals and his <clears throat> stances on things and just his good nature, I feel like you got to go the other way with, with, you know, an adversary. You can't just have them kind of gray and where they you know have slight disagreements like no you have to have kind of a black and white kind of story here you know good versus evil that's what i expect uh, i don't know man that that doesn't go that doesn't go with what dr manhattan is at all i would be very surprised if they made him an evil villain he just didn't by the end of watchmen he just didn't care that's he, but that's not evil Right, right, but that was only in the span of like one little tiny story. That was like thirty-five years ago. So he's probably just gone so far off the deep end. He probably created the new fifty-two out of boredom, which is (laughs) which is kind of funny because then he got really bored with the real creators towards the end. Yeah, and just didn't write good stories. At first, he was like real into it. He was like, "Check this out, guys! Like, how cool is this going to be?" And then, like, Animal Man's going to be awesome. (laughs) Oops, I don't give a shit anymore. See, that's very Doctor Manhattan. What the fuck happened at DC Comics that that Animal Man book was so fucking good? The take on the character was so good, and now gone. Animal Man just doesn't exist like they've kept swamp thing around dude that swamp books, thing animal I, man is gone i liked the swamp thing run better than the animal man run i like swamp thing a whole lot i, but like I think thing? from front to back the animal man run was a little bit better i think that if dc and warner the movie studios were run better we would have had an animal man movie by now and it would have been probably really interesting and different from some of the other stuff that we're getting like I, I think what really made the Animal Man book stand out was that it was so different. It was such a unique take on the character. Like Swamp Thing was still Swamp Thing. You know, he was still with Abby Arcane fighting, you know, her dad and part of the Green and all that stuff. But um, uh, Travel Foreman was the artist, and uh, who wrote that? Jeff Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder wrote Animal Man? Oh, no. Jeff Lemire wrote uh, yeah, Animal Man. I'm sorry. Jeff Lemire. Yeah. They uh, took... Scott Snyder wrote Swamp Thing. That was such a unique take on just kind of a goofball 80s character mm-hmm. up until that point. They made him just a, just a serious horror comic book, and yeah. it was so fucked up and so, so good. They took it, They did like a 180 with him, and they made it so much better than... Anything that I had read up until well, the Grant then. Morrison stuff, I think, is it it delves into the serious and it's it's better than some of the Animal Man stuff before that time. But yeah, I really do gravitate more to the Jeff Lemire horror stuff, as you mentioned. And like, I mean, I, that could I have been know, such an um, awesome uh, movie. And this, this is it. a this is a moment I wish I knew more of the inner workings of comic book companies as to why Animal Man's not showing up other places yeah i thought that out of the beginning of the new 52 the first like 24 months animal man was one of the bigger it was uh, huge successes from what they were trying to do and it is surprising that you don't hear about animal man at all now in in rebirth or or any of the stuff that's happening at dc it's it's strange 
man, I don't have a good segue back into wrapping up Watchmen. Oh. <laughs> back into wrapping up the Doomsday do you, Clock. Do you think that Animal Man will make his grand appearance as a as an awesome new fifty two character, and then maybe like he'll kind of spill into the rebirth universe maybe so if, that way we can get some animal man by if, the end of this thing if a uh, new 52 architect dr manhattan knows what's good for him he'll put him into this <laughs> doomsday yeah. clock that's right it's it's jeff dr manhattan johns that's his is is dr manhattan really controlling jeff johns into writing this story are we all part of? Uh, I'm excited. Manhattan's if it was grand scheme, if it was Grant Morrison writing it, yes, absolutely, that's what would be happening. Or Stephen King, who shows up in the Dark Tower. Man, did I really love that version of Stephen King, though? Alcoholic book writer. Um, that was the real version of Stephen <laughs> King that wrote all of our favorites. <laughs> it really was. Uh, do we want to give Paulinomics for? Doomsday Clock? Do we do that for comic books? We do what we want. Oh, okay. Matt, you're the saltiest. Um, expectations, uh, well, no, excitement is going to be uh, a six. Mm-hmm. Uh, expectations are a four. Yeah. Yeah. Gee, I'm going to give it Crazy Eights. I'm excited for it, and it comes from a excellent writer-artist team that has worked on Superman books in the past, and I feel like this is a Superman book first and foremost, despite the fact that it has all the Watchmen iconic imagery. It's going to be a Superman book coming from Jeff John, so I'm going to give it... An eight and an eight. Oh, uh, big numbers, big numbers to follow. It's such a, it's it's one of my favorite creative teams. I love seeing these guys together. So, but it's also tempered by my kind of disinterest with the entire Watchmen property. So I think my my excite. I'll give a seven for excitement mm-hmm. and a six for expectation. I think it's probably going to fall a little bit short from what I want the story to be. It sounds like Jeff Johns is really going to branch out a little bit and try something different. So I'm not, I'm, I don't want to get too high. All right. Well, one last thing before we go here. If you're listening to this, I'm assuming that this will come out either on a Thursday or Friday of this week. The McSauce Boys will be appearing at uh, Century 3 Mall in Pittsburgh, PA for the Three Rivers Comic Con this Saturday and Sunday, May 20th and 21st. Uh, You can get your tickets in advance at threeriverscomiccon.com. If you are looking for any more information, there's going to be free parking there. It's in the Century 3 Mall. I love free parking. Free parking? Let me tell you something, Paul. I love free parking. I love it whether it's in real life or Monopoly. I love it when there's an actual parking lot and not bullshit like street parking. Not just free parking, convenient parking. That is absolutely true. So anyone that doesn't show up, you have no excuse. If you go to the Three Rivers Comic Con... Because free parking is the only reason, right? (laughs) If you go to their website in the the second row, three to the right, there's a picture of the McSauce booth from last year. So you can go and uh, see what it looked like last time. We have a completely reinvented, reimagined, a, a, a rebirth of our booth is going to happen this weekend. We've so. got new new artwork for sale, new buttons for sale. We're bringing a brand new mix sauce to this show so if you've seen us before and been disappointed come this time and 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 check out Maybe. the new keep your fingers crossed <laughs> and and if you've seen us before and have been impressed well you're easy to impress so see us this time and you'll really be bowled over yeah so. it's a it's a two-day show saturday sunday it's um it's a really cool comic book event a lot of cool people are going to be 
gonna be involved um so yeah absolutely absolutely if you're in the area what are the hours out. do we know the hours yeah on saturday it's 10 to 6 and on sunday it's 10 to 5 certainly i expect every listener from watertown new york to somewhere in seattle to make this show this we weekend. do we expect all one hundred thousand subscribers to to be in attendance we'll see you there everybody thanks for listening my name is paul mcginty and sharply matt casal we'll see you next time